Welcome to our first segment of this afternoon's program. It's Sunday, the 12th of December, 2021. It is now 1.02 p.m. in the studio. I'm your host, Kieran Murdoch. Good afternoon. Uh, there are instances each year where guardians report that adolescence or even a child is missing, and then later that person in question is reported to have been found uh, many times uh, unharmed. Uh, the controversy that surrounds these cases often stems from the fact that little information about the circumstances of their disappearance um, or failure to return home uh, is reported by the authorities after the child or adolescent is recovered, uh, so speculation naturally tends to occur. Uh, of course, since the details of what goes on in these missing then reappear cases is scant, uh, who can really say what exactly is taking place in these cases and with what prevalence? Uh, all the public knows is that from time to time a young person will be reported as missing and then their picture and their name will be circulated in an effort to find them uh, sometime after they are reported as having been found. Uh, one recurring theme in public commentary on the issue is that there may be older persons who are harboring or in unlawful relationships with missing persons in some cases. But this notion, um, or because of this notion rather, many people question why we uh, don't see follow-up reports of someone being held responsible for harboring children unlawfully. Uh, it may also be a case that um, adolescents flee their homes due to uh, tension and anxiety in the domestic environment. Uh, they may be fleeing abuse. Uh, they may be staying with uh, relatives who are not rightfully their guardian, but whom they prefer to lodge. I mean, the, 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 the host and myriad of reasons that uh, could be at play uh, are, are certainly, uh, uh, well, they certainly vary significantly. Uh, on this segment, as said, we will be asking the question, what's really behind the disappearances of these teens from their guardian's care? Uh, we're happy to be joined on this panel for this discussion uh, by Ms. Naima Hazel. Uh, she is Deputy Director of the National Counseling Centre in St. Kitts and Nevis. Uh, Ms. Hazel has studied sociology and psychology, specialising in gender and race, and obtained both her Master's uh, and her Bachelor's uh, from the University of the West Indies. Her Master's was in counseling psychology. Uh, she has over 20 years of experience working with youth communities in St. Kitts and Nevis in the areas of health and family life education, guidance and counseling, juvenile justice and NGO development. I'm happy to have her with us. She joins us via Zoom. Uh, good afternoon to you, Ms. Naima Hazel. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Kiran. I'm very good. Thank you for having me. We have joining us as well, Mrs. Fiona Charles Richards. Uh, Ms. Charles is, Ms. Mrs. Charles Richards sorry, is the Acting Director of the Family and Social Services Division here in Antigua and Barbuda. Uh, in that role, she coordinates the work of a number of social services agencies, including the Child Protection Unit, the Probation Unit, uh, and the Boys Training School, just to name a few. Uh, she received her Master's in Clinical Psychology from the University of the West Indies, Mona. Uh, she also joins us via Zoom this afternoon, and we're happy to have her. Uh, good afternoon to you, Mrs. Charles Richards. How are you doing? Uh, you are still muted on Zoom. You will have to unmute uh, unless you are. Good afternoon, Karan. Uh, good afternoon, Tiga Barbuda. Thanks for having me. We have joining us as well uh, Mr. Ashworth Azeel, principal of the Clare Hall Secondary School uh, and of course also a former president of the Antigua and Barbuda Union of Teachers. Uh, good afternoon to you Mr. Ashworth Azeel. How are you doing? Good afternoon Kiran and to the other members of the panel and certainly to your listening public. Thanks once again for the invitation to be here. Uh, and finally, we're joined by uh, Ms. Sharon Rose Gittens. Uh, she is president of the Barbados Association of Professional Social Workers. Uh, she's a former registered nurse who joined the welfare department in that country in 1999. Uh, she holds a Bachelor of Sociology. Um, 
a diploma, Certificate of Human Resources, a Master of Educational Psychology, and a Master's of Social Work Administration and Management. Uh, she joins us from Barbados, and she also joins us on Zoom. We're happy to have her with us. Good afternoon to you, Ms. Sharon Rose Gittens. How are you doing? Good afternoon. I am doing well. Happy to be here. Happy to be among the fellow panelists, and happy to have the listeners as across the Caribbean, and especially those in Antigua. Good to be here. Uh, Mrs. Fiona Charles Richards, I wonder if I could begin with you um, to get a sense from you because the, the aim of this segment really is to sort of explore uh, the various reasons why we may see these cases of adolescents going missing. Uh, of course, they are found some time after uh, and we tend not to hear uh, much about these matters after that. Uh, we won't, of course, be discussing any specific case, which is why in our introduction I didn't uh, rehash the, the names or, or the particular instances that may have occurred this year. Uh, but we do want to explore broadly uh, some of the issues that may be behind these disappearances and reappearances. Uh, so in, in your experience, particularly in Antigua and Barbuda, uh, when we see these issues occurring, what exactly is going on behind the scenes? Um, s uh, any insights that you could give us? What's happening in Antigua and Barbuda uh, as it relates to things that will be happening behind the scene is a reflection of or changing social issues or changing family dynamics and even a more um, issues concerning mental health in young in our young adolescent population uh, in some instances we have matters of abuse and neglect happening in the home and uh, so persons may seek uh, external support in terms of um, having different type of relationships with may not necessarily be healthy ones. Uh, we have situations where uh, in some instances there has been issues of neglect at an early age and as a result of that there are other um, mental health challenges happening as a result of that as well. So in terms of persons and especially our adolescent population who are having these challenges or having to have these experiences and early traumas, adolescence has become challenging. You are trying to figure out who you are um, as a result of what you have been exposed to or what you have experienced. And that in itself can pose some difficulty. And so you're finding looking for somewhere to belong. In some of these instances, you may have um, girls who may be a part of particular groups. Um, who may engage with sexual activity with um, older persons within our society and uh, because that is where they feel as if they belong and that is where they possibly identify their self-worth and uh, in some other instances we have abuse happening in the home physical abuse happening in the home and uh, in, a, in a way of crying out for help persons may leave the home as a result of that and in some instances we have situations where there's issues of communication between a child and a parent. And so in terms of not building um, good relationships with our children, etc., we have those things manifesting uh, within our community. Uh, and Mr. Ashworth Azil, uh, I wonder if I could bring you in at this point, uh, again from the perspective of Antique and Barbuda, to get your insight and following up on what um, Mrs. Charles Richards has said. Uh, into some of the reasons uh, in your own experience why we may see adolescents, uh, persons of that age, um, 
in these situations where they are, don't return home, uh, and of course it, it becomes a, a national issue that this person is being looked for, uh, they're found, uh, and of course, of course, we, we're left to sort of speculate as to what may be going on behind the scenes. But in, in your experience, what are some of the issues that our adolescents are facing? Oh, well, thank you again, uh, Kieran. And um, I, I just want to again agree with um, Mrs. Charles um, Charles Richards, who noted the uh, the very uh, challenging period that adolescents uh, bring for children. But it, it is not new. Huh? Young people have always uh, had a period of, of confusion once they get to the stage trying to figure out who they are based on the experiences that they may have um, that they may have had. Uh, but certainly where I sit as an educator, as a school administrator in particular, uh, you see several factors. Huh? Uh, every every time you you have a, an announcement on, in the media of a missing teen, whether it be boy or girl, um, immediately you begin to uh, feel a sense of, of of sympathy and also empathy uh, because you understand truly the the the, um, the horrors that parents may be experiencing, that siblings may be experiencing. But more importantly, you your mind is drawn to the very reason why the teen uh, may have um, you know left home and perhaps place themselves in a situation where, uh, you know, they are at tremendous risk. And we have found, we have found um, in interacting with some of these youngsters that there are um, issues such as physical abuse. Um, we have found in sometimes in the home, whether it be from a parent, a sibling, or another family member, the, the presence of sexual abuse also helps to create that sense in the child's mind that anywhere else is safer than home. Um, then you also have, looking at the socioeconomic dynamics, you also have the, the, the sense of neglect. Uh, very many of our youngsters, when they compare themselves to their to their um, counterparts, they, they may find that, um, you know, parents, they may, they may conclude that, that parents are, un, are unable to care for them or give them the things that they consider to be very important um, in much the same way that their friends, um, parents might be able to do. And so they have a sense that, um, you know, their they, home is not the best place. And then there is the real issue of the neglect where parents, uh, for whatever reason, either because they're busy with, with juggling multiple jobs or, or simply, um, are not exercising enough care and attention uh, tend to neglect their teenagers. Um, then there's also the fear of harm emanating sometimes from um, verbal threats. So sometimes in scolding, a, uh, in scolding a youngster, a parent may use very threatening language uh, to suggest that you know they may harm them, um, you know, in treating with this particular matter. And out of fear for their own safety, uh, those youngsters uh, tend to feel that the best solution is to run away. To, from home to a place that, that is uh, much safer that does not present that particular fear. And then we have also seen cases in speaking to some of our youngsters where their experiences at school, um, the, the, the instances of bullying that they may, that they may experience also um, cause them to be fearful of school and by, and, and, and by extension. They would, they would tend to perhaps sometimes leave home not come to school or sometimes um, you know, because they have not gone to school and they fear a negative report going home to their parents, that one day is extended into two or three days. And, and I dare say, sadly, we have seen um, the many instances as well where we've had uh, some callous adults in our community who would wish to harbor these children and would wish to have 
um, you know, uh, unhealthy relationships with these children, uh, as and what I consider to be a, a gross sense of, of, of abuse as well and assault. Um, and the, the, it is true that you often don't hear of the resolution, save and accept that the teen might have been found. But from where I sit as an educator, we want to ensure that this is not a this does not become a chronic problem, that it, it is not a recurrent issue. And so I believe that understanding the treatment given to those persons who may be found to be harboring the teens and, and creating exploitative um, you know, uh, scenarios for them, um, that, that they are treated with um, well. And so I believe that the data is important to guide our action uh, because we don't want to get to the state where we believe that nothing is being done. And so therefore we will do nothing. These youngsters are precious and require our protection. Uh, Ms. Naima Hazel, if I could bring you in, and I just want to um, pick up on, on, on something both previous speakers have said, uh, particularly Mr. Azia, when he, when he spoke about, um, just, just a moment ago, when he spoke about the issue of that idea that nothing is being done. Because uh, that is, when you, when you sort of analyze the commentary on social media uh, around these issues, especially after the report that the person ha happily has been found safely, uh, you get that sense from the commentary that persons wonder, uh, was there someone uh, older involved here? harboring this person in an unlawful relationship with this person and, and people tend to, to, to take that line of thought a lot I'll put that there um, and they, they would want to see punitive action um, but I'll bring you in on that point uh, just to, 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 to get your take on all that's been said thus far Okay, um, I actually agree with a lot that my colleague said. Um, I actually don't agree, disagree with anything. Having been in the position as a guidance counselor, I worked in the guidance counselor in the high schools for 11 years, and I worked in juvenile justice as a deputy director at our rehabilitation center for youth. And of course, you know, I'm working as, I work as a psychologist. All of those um, issues are into play. I know that people really feel like uh, it's interesting what you said that people want to answer because they feel like nothing has been done. But sometimes that's the reason kids run away because they've made a lot of complaints and nothing has been done. And uh, you don't really need a, 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 any child to run away if any circumstances are right, right? Kids are actually under a lot of stress. So any child can really justify running away. A lot of the times as a public, we feel like we're invested um, as a public in, in them being found at home and we want to know what happens next. But a lot of people actually know what happened in the first place, right? Uh, so sometimes some of these things, I uh, my colleague, uh, Mr. Azil, yes. I heard him speaking about, you know, sometimes these adults that are harboring children. Sometimes these are really permissible transactional relationships that we all know are happening in our communities. <laughs> Everybody knows that that person's daughter is with that old man and sometimes she goes up by his house and nobody says anything about it until the child goes missing. And then generally the blame goes on the child. Oh, she's fast or she's hot or she always running away. She like man. I feel everybody's being very positive. Well, sometimes it's neglect or being, but really if we get to the core of it, a lot of the time, a lot of the judgment tends to fall on the young people that run away and not so much on the persons that harbor them. So that's one of the issue. We also have a lot of unlawful carnal knowledge uh, relationships. As I said, older men and younger women, and sometimes older men and younger men um, more than older women and younger men. And they're really harboring those children in unlawful carnal knowledge relationships. And you'll see an increase of that as we have more challenges, especially in our economy, with people who are looking for support. And sometimes these older people are actually financially 
supporting them or supporting them in some way or the other. Sometimes they have a case against them and they run away because they don't want to, to deal with the case that they have against them. Sometimes these children are actually asked to leave by their parents and the parents don't say so, but they only become embarrassed when the community becomes aware of it. Some of these children have very overwhelming familial responsibility. They're taking care of all their brothers, their sisters, their, their little brother, they're, they're 13 and they take care of three kids in the home and they have a lot of responsibility. And like um, was said by both my colleagues, sometimes there's a shame or fear of repercussions for an action. Sometimes they're running away, maybe they're pregnant or they've been suspended or they're fearful of the report of another parent or, um, or a teacher. So really it could happen to anyone and children can run away from affluent homes or low income homes. And as the public, we do really feel like, oh, we wanna hear an answer, but really what could the answer be? Like, what can we, we tell you without violating that child's um, privacy? Uh, because we don't really know what the reason is. And we hope that our uh, social services and our child protection services are addressing these issues. And maybe you want to update to say, okay, this issue is being addressed, this child is home safe, and we're addressing this issue appropriately. That's really pretty much the most that you can say to the public without continuing to violate this child's confidentiality. Um, if it's a case of criminality and somebody is a predator in the community and they have been hoarding that person, then by all means, that's the police should press charges and then that would go into a police report where you could say this person has been charged for um, harboring a juvenile or unlawful carnal knowledge and then that would put the responsibility back on the adults who should know better but we also have to look at the adults in the communities who allow this behavior and until somebody goes missing and it becomes a big public issue don't really have anything to say about it so that's my take on that. Uh, Ms. Ms. Sharon Rose-Gittens, um, and I'll just make a correction here. I, 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 when, I, when, we, when we came in, I said that you're the president of the Barbados Association of Professional Social Workers. I should have said the vice president uh, of the Barbados Association of Professional Social Workers, a former president, of course, but currently the vice president. Um, Ms. Sharon Rose-Gittens, um, uh, if I could bring you in here, I know that your particular specialty yeah. uh, is uh, instances of, of, of domestic abuse, domestic violence. Can you give us some insight as to uh, how those types of situations could lead to adolescents, young people staying away from home, going missing? Okay, and that's fine in terms of introductions. Thanks for that. And yes, my focus is on domestic violence is where most of my research has been. But I want to support what the others have shared as part of the panel, because clearly you're seeing the issues of fear. You're also seeing the fact that Erickson is playing out because we're dealing with adolescents or particularly at that stage of discovery and also at that stage between becoming themselves adults. What I would like to add, and I'm hoping it's the same to those who are listening and also the same for you because COVID-19, our reports of missing persons and missing teens have definitely, definitely been reduced um, simply because not just the pandemic or the way Eddie has definitely been going about it and you having more online schooling, but I think it gives us the opportunity to also refocus. Yes, those are what issues were playing out for the teens, the reasons why they may have been, may have left home. And I definitely agree if they're 
persons in the community who are harboring the teenager at their house outside of a consensual type relationship or even in a consensual relationship, then there must be a point where you explore when schools reopen, what will we do? So I see even now that time for us to really regroup, look over what has taken place, the areas that have been highlighted, and then say to ourselves, as professionals in the field, what can we do about it? When I come now in terms of domestic violence, as mentioned earlier, if the parents are at war and you have children growing up and seeing that right now we have Barbados has revised a couple of years actually, not just right now, revised this act, Domestic Violence Act 2015 to cover child abuse and child abuse being that child in a home who may witness acts of violence taking place between the adults in the home. Um, and it goes to visual, goes to hearing, goes to whatever. That child being in the home is also now being considered a victim of child and legislated, not just being now considered, but just want to emphasize it has been legislated. So imagine then a child with all this battle happening, trying to feel safe. Um, and their options, in some cases, we are talking about children going missing. But the worst part of that can be when a child thinks that they need to let go and they need to let go of life and begin self-harming and even go to the point of actually attempting to kill themselves and even in some instances actually committing the act of suicide. So I share with the other panelists, they also want to emphasize that this is a period in which we for us, I know here in Barbados, we're not seeing the reports as before, pre-COVID pre reports that we were having of missing teens. And I hope that's the same for the rest of the Caribbean. And I hope that COVID-19 has allowed us, yes, this discussion will allow us to sharpen our approach to making it a much easier when our children are back out to school. So I support what I said, the peer pressure from others, the what's happening in the home, um, but also recognizing that ultimately you want the child, children to be safer and protected. And we've all joined as it pertains to the rights of the child as well. Um, so I would, that's my contribution for now, um, but ultimately mm -hmm. wanting to reinforce the fact that we really want our children to be safe and to be mm -hmm. protected mm -hmm. and not have to go missing. Let me um, let me bring back in Mr. Mrs. Fiona Charles Richards uh, to get a sense from you as to what resources there are available uh, if you do have uh, an adolescent, a young person who finds themselves in a situation where their home is not safe, whether because of, of, of sexual abuse, whether because of domestic abuse, uh, uh, um, whether on them or, 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 or a situation in, in the home between others that they don't want to be involved in, or, or some of the other, the myriad of other factors that uh, came out in, in the opening statements, uh, particularly when you have uh, a, a rather unfair and, and high burden of responsibility on some young people. Um, what resources, what recourse is there available uh, for young people who find themselves in the situation? Is that they're sent back to that situation uh, in the home? Is that what happened? 
No, we do not usually. Once there is a situation where um, it's not a miscommunication issue or issues such as those where there's abuse or neglect, uh, we normally find different environments to place our children. Uh, as it relates to other resources, we also would have um, launched our child care, um, child care protection policy for this year. And as a result of that, it's allowing our children to have more of a voice. Uh, in, so, in so much so that most times when there are issues, it's not just persons within the community that will report, but there are actually children who will report their own issues as well. And there's a hotline for that. And um, for and I'll just say that now, which is 4643531, which is our child care and protection hotline. Uh, so in instances where we find um, through investigation what is happening with the child, the child may be placed with next of kin, such maybe a father or an aunt or a cousin who's responsible or has an environment that provides for their safety and protection and development. Or we, our last and final um, recourse is in institutionalized care. And then of course, we also have the option for foster cares as well. But very often in Antigua, um, persons don't necessarily want to open up their homes to older girls or boys. Mm. Um, persons would prefer persons who are below five or five or six, but ne necessarily persons who are older. And, and that in itself has its own challenges because very often persons are expecting that, okay, these children are supposed to be good now because they're no longer in the environment, but they're coming from environments that would have been extremely traumatizing and extremely neglectful. And so they're gonna have behavioral issues. They're gonna have mental health issues. And, and that is a misconception that we have that, okay, so we've changed the environment. Kids should be better now. Uh, that is not necessarily always the case. And so, in some instances, and most recently, we have now gotten permission to get psychiatrists on board because before um, our healthcare system did not facilitate us being easily able to access a psychiatrist because psychiatrists were available for persons over the age of 18. And so now we now are able to approach um, psychiatrists privately in terms of being able to provide different types of intervention where there are recognizable um, psychiatric issues and not just psychological issues. Uh, we would have also provided counseling for children who would be exposed to those type of situations. And uh, But one of the things that is really saddening though, and I'm glad when my colleague says that most of the times we can't really say much, but there are persons who would have supported um, the different response units in locating the persons and they put the child's information on Facebook and wherever else. And that in itself is damaging. That in itself, I mean, it very often sometimes they're labeled when these things are posted. And they, I mean, when they have, their, their friends are seeing this, uh, you know, the different persons in society saying certain things about them. And that in itself triggers off other issues that may not necessarily have been there before. So now they're returning to school with these labels and that in itself has its own dynamics. So yes, there are support systems in place for our children. Uh, Mr. Ashworth Azil, um, feel free to, 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 to comment on anything that's been said thus far. I'm particularly interested in the, the comment that Ms. Hazel made and, and that uh, Mrs. Fiona Charles Richards followed up on, which is that, um, in terms of the privacy of the child uh, and the public sort of having an understanding that uh, 
it may not be the best thing. It often is not the best thing that they have a, a full details as to exactly what happened, especially if it's an instance where the the search for the individual uh, was one where their name and their face was publicized on, on Facebook, on WhatsApp, everywhere, uh, to then follow that up with particular details of what went on in the situation uh, would certainly be quite uh, uh, additionally traumatic. Uh, but as I said, feel free to, to, to follow up on any anything you'd wish to, to comment on. Oh, oh, oh but I, I, I certainly agree with that, uh, Kieran. And and so my, my call for, or, or, or my general observation based on my interaction with um, members of the public, based on my interaction with students and teachers and parents and so forth, uh, it's not a sense that you, you want to know the details of what has transpired or how this thing has been resolved. But certainly, I think someone alluded to it earlier you want to know if there's a predator in your community you want to you, you want to know that and i think sometimes we have uh, permitted these things to be cloaked in so much secrecy that these individuals um have been found guilty and they come back out and they continue to prey on our youngsters especially where you've had these illicit type of relationships and they continue to prey on our youngsters and, and very many of our parents are totally unaware that these uh individuals are, 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 are in their midst and are interacting with with their children. So I think it is from that end, you see? And I also want to, to reiterate this point. Now, yes, there are a number of um, legal frameworks which help to um, guide the, the actions of, of, of the authority when it comes to child care and, and, and so forth. I also believe that there has to be greater interplay with the rest of the public, uh, not just at these critical times when we have uh, teenagers who go missing or children who are uh, in abusive situation and so forth. The public generally needs to know, case in point. I recall some years ago as a teacher, um, I, I, was, I was totally conflicted because there was an indication, for example, that a child was in an, uh, an, unhealthy, an unhealthy environment, that there, there, there were speculations about, um, you know, the child being in an abusive situation. And uh, the, I had to seek out uh, the authorities to ask, um, do I have a duty to report? Is there a man, for example, is there a mandatory um, policy in, 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 the, in, in, in place so that if I know I must say, well, and not just for me as the educator, but for any other individual who interact with with children, do we do we have that um, that legal mandate to see if we know, and if we fail to see, are uh, we held legally responsible for, for 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 withholding that sort of information that could have otherwise had a child uh, placed in a in a in a better situation? The point is that we I don't think the public generally wants to know um, you know the details of that. I just think that we need to be armed with knowledge of, of how we are treating with persons who may be enabling um, that sort of, of action and maybe uh, be predatorializing on you know our, our young people. I, I also wanted to make the point here, uh, Kiran, that the um, there must be that strong synergy between um, agencies such as our uh, social services and the schools uh, because it is it is it is absolutely important. We must continue to talk. Yes, there is the there is the linkage with our school guidance counselors and perhaps the attendance counselors within the Ministry of Education. But I, I do believe that there must be an ongoing effort at educating our youngsters um, about the the options that are available to them. Yes, we do all that we can within the context of school, but certainly our message is made even more powerful when we have the um, the responsible agents um, now coming in and. and, and collaborating with us in that regard. Uh, and Ms. Naima Hazel, uh, anything you'd, you'd want to add at this point? Feel free. 
Well, yes, I, I always love to come on the show with you, uh, Kieran, because you always have the best panelists. They're always so informed and it's like I'm behind my screen just nodding and nodding and nodding my head and tapping and tapping and tapping because everything being said is so true. And you can't see our private discussion, but when we're talking about the need for, um, uh, for, for a, a sexual, a mandatory reporting, like a sexual offenders registry. It's needed. We need a Caribbean-wide registry. And it's like everybody says, yeah, we need it, we need it. But I don't really think there's a political will for us to achieve it. It's so important that we should know who the predators are in our community because these people generally who even hoard young girls, sometimes, and we don't even, we're not even talking about sexual trafficking. That's a whole different show because that is something that's happening too. Some of them are having the girls in their home and having using them where the girls feel like because they're staying there, they have to have sexual relations with all the men that are coming in and out of the house. So we even have the issue of sexual trafficking. So that's a whole issue that I hope we'll all come back to to discuss the importance of um, a sexual offenders registry. But to what Mr. Azil said, yes, mandatory reporting. If you see something, say something. Not because you're fast, but because you can see that the child in your community could be harmed and that could be your child. But often we don't say anything. Oh, what if somebody says and nothing happened and then the parent comes looking for me and we're very concerned about how people will respond to us doing our proper civic duty to protect children. You know, so it's important that teachers understand that they are mandatory reporters. That is in a lot of our domestic violence legislation, um, teachers, um, care professionals, um, of course, uh, persons in, in social welfare, government, people are mandatory reporters. If you see something, you should say something. And a lot of the times the children see that we've seen something and we haven't said anything, which goes back to what I was saying earlier, but they've tried, they've gone to every kind of resource and nobody has been able to help them. And they think that their only solution then is for them to run away. And a lot of them run away on the spur of a moment so they don't have any forward planning so that means they haven't really thought about where they're going to go or where they're going to sleep and how they're going to support themselves and then it puts them in positions where they can end up in situations that are even worse than what they endured at home and then when it's out in the public they feel embarrassed to go back home they embarrass their parents on um, what are people going to say about them at school like my colleague said what are they going to say and people feel like they need an answer but it's really not fair to the children so we need to start thinking as society more about how we protect our children and when we see the children are missing i love that um that uh, miss kittens brought up um self-harm like sometimes the children are running away and there is a risk that they could be harmed you know, and that they could be harming themselves. That's important too. So there's so many different elements, but if we just report and we make children feel safe to come home, like I've been reading some of the online messages about some children that do go missing here in an antique and people are saying, I find Antigua is much better than us. They're saying, oh, that's so wonderful. Just come home, come home when the children are missing. I don't always have that attitude. Sometimes we get the, oh, this is why that person's gone that way. And they feel negative and go to school and they feel they have to explain to people. And teachers ask them a question. And then their classmate asks them the question. And the pastor asks them the question. And then the friend asks them the question. And the police ask them the question. And for them, it's just easier to stay hidden. So we really want to make sure that our children feel safe and also as adults that we feel a responsibility to report, to see something and say something. And I love also um, 
that uh, Ms. Charles Richardson said that they use their hotline. We have a hotline as well. I don't know how many young people use our hotline. So I hope that they're really using your hotline. But when that happens, we have to have the resources, the human resource. A lot of the times in our social development and our, our child protection agencies, we don't have enough officers um, to manage those cases. We don't have um, enough support to follow through. Sometimes people don't want to report. They don't want to support it. Parents don't support it. Um, so it makes it difficult for us to make an example of the people who actually harm our children so that we can keep people from doing that. But um, I think it's important that as a, as a society that we look at this as a holistic problem, but that the focus is in protecting our children and making sure that they're safe. Uh, Ms. Sharon Rose-Gittens, uh, feel free to come in here uh, and anything you'd want to respond to or add. Oh yes, because as we're speaking, it's like you're talking to the converted who really and truly would like to see things improve and make our space much safer for the children. So that brought to mind some ideas. I know we have now, literally this year, we've had guidance counselors in schools, but this year we're introducing the social worker in the primary school as well as in secondary schools and we also have safety officers placed in secondary schools so we have expanded the social support mechanism and that bridge between what's happening at school and what's happening at home for our children and i anticipate that there will be interventions in relation to those children who may have gone missing and when they come back to school because sometimes that's the peer relationship that really really further traumatizes them the embarrassment the fear everything added to that having the social workers being placed there can help some as well as what was shared earlier the a better relationship synergy between all the agencies social work agencies as well as we have PTA parent teachers association we also have student bodies is there any thought of having a support group um in maybe two or three or even four voices but we need to be able to intervene on the trauma it has happened they're back to school but they're also transitioning so let's sort of work with that trauma let us heal from that trauma and be able to then create this adolescent into a really contributing, hardworking, and a citizen that we'll all be proud of. So I'm honestly thinking that at some point, you know, we can have that taking place rather than that child walking around with the weight of what's been placed out there on social media, what the community is saying, what their peers are saying, but here it is, I'm part of something that will build back my self-esteem and everything else that goes along with it. Let me um, let me take this opportunity. We are just about out of time. In fact, I think we're one minute over, but I want to give our four panelists the opportunity very, very briefly just to give us a final word each, um, starting, of course, with you, um, uh, Mrs. Fiona Charles-Richards. A very brief final word, if you would. I echo the sentiments of my colleague and when she says, when you see something, say something. Uh, now is not the time to be quiet. It's not a time to mind your business. It's a time to actually protect our children because at the end of the day, 
the society that we want to have five years from now, 10 years from now is one where one that we're proud of. And that means making right choices now for our children. So that's my, my two cents. Um, Mr. Ashworth Azil, your final word. Yeah, I, I just want to reiterate the very importance of, of securing our nation's future. Let us ensure that we reaffirm them rather than further denigrate them. And I just want to um, encourage all of our all of our citizens to um, do things that would not bring further shame to these youngsters. And so let us refrain from using social media as a means of, um, you know, further exploiting them and further um, further causing further harm to them. Sometimes we think that we're doing good but really we're just causing them to relive the pain all over again. So let us all be responsible with our handling of these issues of, of teenage runaway. Uh, Ms. Naima Hazel, your final word, Ms. Hazel. I'm gonna agree with my colleagues as usual. I hope that we'll do some more regional work on this because I think there's strength in numbers, you know? Working together through all of our organizations, our women's organizations, our children's organizations, our community organizations, and really strengthening and reinforcing and showing that there's a political will to address these issues, you know? And also as individuals, I, I know we've had a little conversation in our private group about advocates being a sincere advocate. Stop minding the children's business. Be a real advocate because you're interested in helping the children not because you want to put all their business out there in these streets for people to know what's going on in their lives if you didn't have the wherewithal to report to the proper agencies to get them help then you shouldn't be on facebook reporting all of their business that's not the proper agency that's meta that's not social services, right? So I really um, hope that people will see the importance of us advocating as genuine advocates in our organizations and within our political parties even to really push an agenda that always puts our children and protects our children first. Uh, and Ms. Sharon Rose Giddens, your, your final word. My final words, say something, say something, and I definitely look forward to the break of collaboration across the Caribbean. We can start here because we know our perpetrators may not necessarily stay in one particular country, but also may be moved somewhere else. So let's say something, say something, and remember that they deserve, we all deserve to live in a place that we want to be safe and we all need to have that. Mm. With that, we're going to leave this segment here. I want to say thank you to all of our guests. We were joined by Mrs. Naima Hazel. She is Deputy Director of the National Counseling Center in St. Kitts and Nevis. Uh, by Mrs. Fiona Charles-Richards, the Acting Director of the Family and Social Services Division here in Antigua and Barbuda. Uh, Mr. Ashworth Azeel, Principal of the Clare Hall Secondary School. And Ms. Sharon Rose Gittens, Vice President of the Barbados Association of Professional Social Workers. Thanks to all four of you. And we move straight into our second segment, folks. Mm -hmm.